Hello and welcome to the London Coronavirus Podcast, the original and only independent podcast of its kind in the business. Every day on the pod, we will serve up a healthy dose of positivity, practical advice and hopefully a slice of well-placed humour too to counteract this very, very grim global situation. On the pod today, it was a parenting and kids special where we bowed to those with far superior knowledge than us to give us first-hand accounts of how on earth you balance kids, sanity, work, hand sanitizer, and so much more. We went to the source as well with some lovely words from a three-year-old who sadly can't see her friends at the moment. Really does tug on the heartstrings that. Plus, we had all the usual goodies of global update, coronavirus confession, coronavirus kindness, and so much more. James, episode 13, unlucky for some, but I'd like to think the world has filled its poor fortune quota for the year and the only way is up absolutely the clocks may have changed in the past 24 hours dave but not much else has really and certainly one thing that hasn't changed is us being here and delivering our daily dose to our legendary listeners absolutely don't forget myself david winter and james Ware are here every day on the london coronavirus podcast enjoy the pod James, I wanted to start today with a a staple of British conversation, the weather. Now, in times of hardship as well as times of prosperity, weather chat is always safe territory in this country amongst the Brits. And uh, listen, today the elements really delivered. I honestly experienced about four separate seasons over the course of one 30-minute jog today. It was ridiculous. And it got me thinking, James, that the weather was kind of mirroring the atmosphere in London at the moment, which is an absolute melting pot of different emotions, right? There's a bit of confusion, a bit of disorientation. That was certainly the case in the skies overhead this afternoon. And I should genuinely, honestly, think it was snowing at one point. Seriously, I didn't know whether to take out my sledge or my sun hat when I went to the shops a little bit later on. And I'm not sure you were building snowmen on the pavement, James, or sunbathing on the rooftop, but I hope you had a lovely Sunday, my friend. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was definitely a disorientating day in all the ways. Weather-wise, it's the first time I've ever gone outside and really experienced a day that's made me fully be able to understand why a Four Seasons pizza is called a Four Seasons pizza. Because I went out for my little trip outside the house. Um, It was only a short one today. I was going on Sunday time, easy like Sunday morning. So I walked out the door in pure sunshine. A couple of minutes later, it was raining. Next thing I knew, it was hailing. And I got back in sunshine and blue skies, all within the Mm. space of about 15 minutes. So that kind of added to the sense, as many people have been picking up online today, that the end of the world is nigh. Like just when we thought we were kind of settled with our daily disorientation, we were thrown these climactic curveballs as well. And I felt disorientated by many other things that happened today, Dave. Just when I've been saying I was... Hitting my quarantine stride, at least for week one anyway. Obviously, the clocks changing was a weird one. Normally, that's saying you get reminded about 
in conversation at work. Maybe you'll have a work email about it just to make sure it doesn't throw you off or give you an excuse to be late to work. This year, I feel like Mm. everyone completely forgot about it until they were given late reminders last night. I was only reminded by a friend video calling him in South Africa, and he was reminding me. I think that shows how low down the priorities it was here in Britain. And it's a weird one, isn't it? Because normally, whenever the clocks change, you anecdotally hear a couple of tales about people being late or early to things and embarrassing themselves with that. But none of those today, because as many people also observed out there, well, you need to change your clock so that you're on time for things. But on time for what? On time for a video call? So perhaps, I'm not exactly sure, I'd have to look this up, how long they've been changing to on the daylight saving time to British summertime. But perhaps I would go out on a limb and be willing to say the least hyped changing of the clocks ever, I think, today. That that is another one to add to our kind of trophy cabinet of weird life experiences we're going to have this year. We've already filled up the mantelpiece with medals of strange experiences we've gone through, and the trophy cabinet is filling up fast too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely fair to say that this is the first time that we it's just been completely bypassed. I can't speak for other nations, James, but the Brits do make quite a song and a dance about the clock springing forward, don't they? And I know that not every country in the world does it, but no. when time becomes an irrelevance, you really are operating in a different kind of paradigm. So the fact that it... it Exactly as you say, I completely, I didn't think about it. I was reminded by a WhatsApp at about 11.30 last night. And usually there's sort of two or three days of the British media and workplaces and friendship groups kind of plotting and planning for this event where the clocks spring forward and you feel robbed of that extra hour. But this year, in 2020, my goodness, it is far down the pecking order, James. Yeah, we've spoken many times on the podcast so far, Dave about how we're all experiencing time in this very strange, very parallel university way at the moment. And I feel we've riffed on that and been trying to pin down how strange that has been over the past couple of weeks. And even saying that out loud doesn't feel right. So I'm like, how can I be speaking about weeks? It feels like decades. Like, I'm still kind of second-guessing the lengths of time unit measurements that are coming out of my mouth, even at this stage when we've spent about a lot. But I feel the clock's changing today was a real practical illustration that the laws of time that would normally apply just don't anymore right even the clock's changing right it's like okay I lost an hour today normally that would impact your sleep or your morning plans didn't impact anything my my day was an hour shorter I'm sorry but unless I carried a portable sand timer around with me today there's no way that I possibly would have known that then we've got the weather throwing out the concept of seasons something that has traditionally been used to plot the time over the years and then last night was the first weekend night since this all began but I've actually kind of got in to the weekend night out in or should that be in out it starts sounding a bit like the hokey cokey this, doesn't it? Whichever way you go, I feel like I need to shake it all about just trying to figure this out but Yeah, I'm going for a night out in. And that was the first one. I was on debut last night, my first cap. And 
I'd had a few glasses of wine and was getting all these video calls in. And it is quite entertaining how some people you haven't spoken to in months suddenly just start flashing up on the video call. I like that that's just acceptable now. Normally that would be deeply yeah. weird. Like if I haven't spoken to you in six months, a video call is a strange way to first reach out. But right now... <laughs> Invasive, yeah. Right now a video call on a Saturday night out of the blue it is the olive branch I'm looking for from Long Lost Friends. And last night was the first night I'd embarked on this experience. And I have to say that this was very disorientating too. That's really becoming the word of the day, isn't it? Because one minute I was speaking to friends in this country or friends I knew from here, and then suddenly you're speaking to other friends, and then I was watching this live DJ streaming Greece that was very weird and kept cutting between different people's bedrooms and different drag acts and then I watched another friend's live DJ thing and then I was getting a call from (laughs) friends in America because it was their kind of evening time there and it was strange I have to say how much even though it's just the online equivalent of a night out it really gave me that feeling of a proper London night out where you get that labyrinthine feel where you're like wow, I've been in all these places and seen all these people and I'm not quite sure where I am and how I got here. It was like that, but just using my (laughs) phone and without having to tire out my legs and rack up an Uber bill. So yeah, on that front, I'd say a positive way of achieving the same slightly dizzying, disorientated feeling without any of the actual movement. Okay, well, today on this pod, episode 30 of the London Coronavirus podcast, myself and James, we decided that we would have a little look at parenting and children and the impact that that has had, uh, the impact that coronavirus has had on those two things combined. And James, a a quote I absolutely love, and I know quote of the day is usually last on the pod, but let me just squeeze one in here, mate. A quote I absolutely love is, the best conversations come when everyone knows exactly what they're talking about or nobody knows anything about what they're talking about. And I think if us talking about parenting definitely falls in to the latter camp. And uh, listen, we're going to, of course, bow to those far superior to to ourselves in this situation. But it's the first time really, James, I think, on the pod that we've managed to, to dip a little toe in the water of how parents are dealing with this and with how children are dealing with it as well. Yeah, we want to cover the whole breadth and depth mm. of this situation and experience, don't we, Dave? We're, we're like a quarantine minesweeper trying to pick up <laughs> on everything out there with our podcast sonar. And we really had a good feel. We got a feel a week ago today for our Mother's Day special when we were hearing from our mums. We got a feeling about the older generation. But today we wanted to get a feeling of the younger generation and those looking after them. Now, I think in a traditional setup on this kind of podcast, the way that maybe we could have done that would have been like, we both had to adopt children for the day and see what it was like having to look after them 24-7 in our own space. Obvious health and safety concerns right now meant that that wasn't going to be practical at all. So we've kind of gone for the next betting and decided that we're going to be parents vicariously just by hearing from real parents actual experience of what's going on. But I think we both agreed, didn't we, Dave, 
even before we got into the actual content of this episode. But right now, the people who undoubtedly are having it hardest are all of those actually on the front line in the NHS or all of those of course, who, who of course. are on the front line fighting this thing head on. And then mm. I think the category that we both felt was second in line there for those who are having the toughest time have to be parents. So suddenly trying to full-time parent with their kids at home, looking after kids of different ages, having to work from home too, having to run the household and, and everything. I mean, it's like the most extreme juggling act you can imagine. This would be illegal in a modern circus, what's being required <laughs> of parents right now. So I have to say it's with some trepidation that we embark on, on hearing about this experience in today's episode. Well, my friend Sam is in exactly this situation, James. He is indoors trying to juggle being a father and having a job at the same time. So this is Sam's unique take on the situation. What don't you like about staying in? Go out. Okay. Do you miss nursery? Yeah. What do you miss most about nursery? Play. Do you miss any of your friends? Yeah. Yeah? I really want them to come to my house. But they're not allowed to? They're not allowed. Why? Why do you think? I don't think. don't know. Is it because of the germs? Yeah. And what's the first thing you're going to do when we're allowed out again? Get out of me again. Well, <laughs> there you have it, James. I mean... That was tugging on my heartstrings a little bit, mate. It just, I mean, you touched on it earlier and we have touched on it throughout these podcasts about how there is no age, is there? Whether you're three or 93, this is a tough time in different ways. Yeah, absolutely, man. That really hit home there. I think it's a conversation I had even in the really early stages of this with people before we were socially distanced and you can could actually converse with people in person. But when it was clear what this situation was going to involve, we were talking about, well, like, what would be the worst age to have this at? And, and the way that we thought about that, obviously, if you're older and, and more vulnerable, then that has a, a very direct link mm. to this being an incredibly difficult situation but we were thinking in terms of our own lived experience which is much more limited than that it seemed like times that were really temporal you know they they were very particular like the year that you finish your a levels at school yeah. and all the social stuff that comes with that or finishing university and, and that time you know you're only going to get that time window sure. once and losing out on that because of this seemed to be something that we all agreed would be really hard. Whereas being a bit older, it's like, well, we're losing our time, but it's not as it's not as one-off time, right? It, it's sort of yeah. broader. But then hearing about it from kids of that kind of age as we did then, you know, that sounds super difficult because those are such valuable experiences and such formative experiences in their own way even when kids aren't aware of that themselves and the lack of understanding about fully what's 
going on. I think it would be really easy for us as adults to kind of dismiss that and be like, well, it, you know, it's only nursery. The kids will be okay. They've got lots of time. But it, it must be super hard to be a kid that age, to be in the flow with what you're doing and seeing your friends. Suddenly be pulled out of that in a way you don't fully understand. I mean, that, that sounded even more disorientating than all of the stuff we've been discussing so far today. Yeah, and I don't think you need to be a, a childhood behavioural expert to, to understand just how important those years are, as you say, James, and just how confusing it must be for kids. And this is my sister Claire talking about just that and trying to explain it to her two-year-old. Hello, my name's Claire. I have a two-year-old boy and a four-month-old baby girl. So I'm now at home with two small children and I'm also supposed to be teleworking. Um, this is near impossible to work when work when you have a baby and a toddler. Um, I'm in a lucky position that my work's been very understanding towards families with young children. Of course, with older children, you'd then be dealing with trying to do homeschooling as well, so each age has its challenges. I don't think that the psychological impact on young children of confinement has been fully considered. Children need to be able to get outside daily and blow off steam and this is especially difficult for families living in small city apartments with no outdoor space. Of course if you're lucky enough to have a house with a garden that makes things much easier. Um, But I think this is a very very difficult time for children to be separated from their friends and from school or creche or daycare. Um, and especially smaller ones aren't able to fully understand why, why that is. So my two-year-old's missing his playmates and the structure and routine of daycare, and we've gone from attending five days a week and loving it to just seeing myself and his dad. However, we're trying to stay positive and see this time as time spent with my children that otherwise I would not have had. It also forces us to be more more imaginative than usual and to come up with different things, different ways to entertain them. Um, we've also watched a lot of Peppa Pig. Yeah, James, and yeah, just further emphasis really on on just how tricky it is, and just about how yeah how, how difficult it is for 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 young children in this situation. And they have friends, you know, two three year olds. They have these relationships in school, and now they suddenly might be a bit confused while they're spending all this time just with their mum and their dad. So yeah, it's super difficult throughout. And I think personally, I think that one conversation that is starting to be had, and I don't want to get too deep here on the London Coronavirus podcast, but I think as we go into the next weeks and months, people will start to look at this entire situation more holistically and realise that everything we do in terms of being locked up has and knock-on effect on emotional and physical well-being across every age group. And I think increasingly that is going to be the big conversation about how this is impacting, how this is impacting absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be bigger and bigger, the volume of that conversation as we move forward. You're quite right. I like how that clip almost ended with a mini coronavirus confession about how much Peppa Pig was involved in our homeschooling. We're going to the actual coronavirus confession next. But the big question now, Dave, with our parents' hats on, I think before we get to the broader question of the impact of this, is kids having to have it explained to them what the heck is going on, whatever their age, they're going to want to know that. We got a little bit of that in 
our first clip and there we were hearing like well they don't really understand why this is going on and god tried to explain what well, it's about the germs or in whatever terms you can understand and it seems really that this is right now the inheritor of the age-old question from kids about well where do babies come come from and normally that's the birds and the bees maybe with this it's more appropriate that it's the birds and the bats how do you explain where this has all originated? But I can't imagine trying to explain the situation to a kid. I mean, it's hard enough to explain it to an adult. I think if I tried to explain it to myself right now, I'd be almost <laughs> disbelieving. So, yeah, I just don't envy the parents that at all. And however much you try and get kids to see what the heck is going on, it's something that, you know, as a 28-year-old, I feel I can't begin to get my brain around. So I just can't really imagine what kids are doing to try and process this in their heads. And I don't think there's a correct... Because the situation is so utterly unique and surreal, there's no precedent, right? There's no frame of reference for parents to go to and see a correct course of explanation and action. So... I don't know how you explain to kids or should you explain the whole truth to kids or should you just say it's germs or uh, it's uh, it's an absolute big one, James. And uh, listen, we are not remotely qualified to speculate about this. At some point, I'm sure we will get a child psychologist on and uh, plenty more besides to, to fully investigate. But as for now, James, that I believe is a question for another day. Next up on the podcast, we have the section of the show where we like to bring in an expert, someone who is a professional, someone that can educate Windsor and Ware on the London Coronavirus podcast and hopefully our small but very loyal podcast audience. And today, James, we need it more than we need it most days, I fear, on the pod because we have Emma and Emma is a teacher and Emma um, obviously deals with, with young children and is uh, absolutely qualified to understand what is required and how parents can hopefully make this entire situation and this passage of time slightly more bearable and slightly more profitable for them and their kids. So I'm just going to let Emma now uh, offer a little bit of advice. Hi, my name is Emma and I'm a teacher in Surrey. Um, I've just got a few tips for parents, um, particularly with younger children, that I've picked up from various people and I thought might be helpful. Um, the first thing is to try not to think of this as homeschool learning, but more like distance learning. As parents, you are and always have been your child's children's primary educator, and you just need to do what is right for you and your children. Distance learning with primary school children is particularly challenging um, and it's important to keep some form of routine. Try to focus on little and often um, and making learning as practical as possible. There really are so many amazing online resources that are now free um, and some great activity ideas that are being shared on Facebook, Instagram and Pinterest. Things like Twinkle, white rose maths, um, top marks. There are lots of different schemes um, that are really useful. 
Um, because children learn through many different avenues, this is a good chance for them to learn outside the classroom. I've put together just a few ideal targets to achieve um, in a week. The first one being a bit of reading every day um, would be great, whether it's sitting with their school books or reading a recipe or listening to an audio tape, any type of um, reading or listening to stories is great. Um, a bit of free writing would be really good. I think it could be diary writing, story, writing comic strips, they could come up with some instructions. Um, another thing that would be great is hands-on math. So you could play shopkeeper with your kids, get them to pay for their snack and think of change. You could do some cooking with them, measuring things, looking at maths. Um, and there are so many maths games online but also just ideas for mass activities that you could practically do in the house. Some fine motor work would be really good. So things like Lego and Play-Doh and cutting, that type of thing would be helpful. Any type of physical exercise. Joe Wicks is actually doing an amazing PE session at 9 o'clock every morning, which is great. And also on YouTube, there's an incredible thing called Cosmic Kids Yoga. And this amazing lady basically does a yoga session to famous films. My particular favourite is the Moana one. It's lovely. Um, another thing to do during the week is any types of arts, arts and crafts activities. Um, trying to listen to and creating some music. Another idea is to create a project. So something more long term based on your child's interests and then they could possibly share it with their friends and families online which they probably really enjoy. Get outside if you can and just observe nature and play. Never underestimate the importance of play whether it be structured or unstructured. And finally don't stress or put pressure on yourselves. Just do what you can do and don't compare what you are doing to what other families are doing. Be reassured that you are doing enough and look after yourselves and just take care. I really, really hope that's helpful. And I know that there are so many teachers on Facebook who are offering any support, including myself. Um, so if you need any extra support, just look out there because there are lots available. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. I hope that was helpful. Take care. Bye. Well, that was very helpful, James. Not just for kids, but there's a couple of things in there that I wouldn't mind having a go at. That cosmic yoga, where it's yoga to a film. That that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I'm bang <laughs> up for that. Maybe we're going to be doing that bright and early tomorrow morning, <laughs> Dave. But I liked as well the reframe on the top mm. of that. I mm. think that's something that seems to be really valuable to everyone at the moment. You know, we were hearing it with our quarantine dream yesterday on our dating special about making it feel like date night at a restaurant. Instead of putting pressure on yourself, if you do have kids for it to be home learning, making it distance learning. It sounds deceptively simple, this, but I think it is powerful, isn't it? But that like little ways we can just find, even if it's getting dressed some days, 
to like just reframe things in our brains so that they feel a bit better to us and they're kind of a bit more doable, seem more and more valuable the longer this goes on, even after week one. Definitely. And I think it's one of the most powerful techniques, isn't it? To, to have the capacity to reframe a situation into a positive. Clearly, that's not always possible because, you know, some really bad things are happening around the world at the moment. But in a lot of cases, it is possible to reframe situations and, and just see you can reframe almost anything to see, to make it as a challenge. And I know I'm not a parent. I know perhaps that's super easy to say, but uh, I thought that was very, very valuable from Emma. Yeah, very much so. Next up on the London Coronavirus podcast, we have our section called Living the Quarantine Dream. This is where we invite people to send us a WhatsApp audio of their lockdown situation, their isolation and how exactly they're dealing with it and how they're embracing and thriving under these new set of life rules, really, in the coronavirus world. And we've got uh, today, James, one of my best friends, one of my best friends from childhood, uh, Jimmy. And Jimmy has a one-year-old daughter and he is at home and he tells us how he is living the quarantine dream. Dave and James, thank you for having me on. Uh, I think first and foremost, uh, appreciate you guys creating the London Coronavirus Podcast. As uh, as you know, I, I listen to quite a few podcasts and this has been uh, the, the most played one over the last week or so, so appreciate it. Uh, on to the reason I'm here, I've... Uh, so it's my, my quarantine dream. I'm actually sat with my one-year-old daughter on my lap at the moment, um, yawning away uh, but it's we've we moved out to the to the suburbs about six months ago um southwest of london uh we were in a two-bed flat uh by clapham junction and that that would have been really tough if, if we'd stayed there but be having moved here we've got a, a little garden uh there's more parks <coughs> nearby uh some the baby gets a little bit frustrated with being stuck indoors sometimes but we've bought a few toys for her uh, a den making kit which has been really good i mean to be honest she's not known much about that but i've had fun making the den i think maybe as we go into sort of week three four five then then we'll start to really really know about it um my biggest issue so far is i've noticed we ran out of alpen this morning which is a bit frustrating um and I'll have to queue at the shops to get some more. But other than that, uh, all is pretty, pretty good here. Sun is shining. The grass is green. Emily's not happy, but I'll sort that out. All right, cheers, guys. Well, James, you know I've got a den pending. So it's great to know there's other people out there whose quarantine dream involves either already having made a den or be plotting and planning to make the aforementioned den. So, yeah, I, I certainly like that a lot about Jimmy. And, and, hey, what a happy, upbeat, positive. I like how he thought everything was sunny and, and, and rosy and beautiful, even though his one-year-old was screaming next to him. It was great. Uh, yeah, that was Jimmy living the quarantine dream. What do you think of that, James? 
Yeah, I like that his quarantine dream was sort of smuggled in there as, well, I sorted this activity for the kids and actually they're not into it, but I'm <laughs> loving it. Like, I thought I thought that was a Trojan horse of the quarantine <laughs> dream, the way he smuggled that in there. And it, it was like the best kind of present when you buy for someone in your family and it's something you actually want, but <laughs> adapted to the current times, the modern equivalent of that. So, yeah, I, I was impressed by the way that he'd managed to do that and work with that. I mean, I think what I'm really taking away from all of these, Dave, and from our parenting episode in general today, is it's been a lot just to look after yourself through this time, yeah. right? Like, just sort of, sort of self-care and navigating that has really required a lot. It's been really draining mm. for all of us in our own different ways the past few weeks. And I think... Like we're hearing throughout these notes, I mean, doing that and having full responsibility for all of the care of another person or people is just like an insane level of demand in its own ways. But I love how Rosie Jimmy was managing to make that sound and particularly that he also was saying basically like, well, now you're all in my camp. I didn't have a social life because I had a one-year-old. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and now you guys have caught up to speed. I like that sense too. London Coronavirus Podcast. So we move on to the part of the pod where we parachute into a corner of the globe to get a bit of a sense of the atmosphere on the ground and hopefully one or two positive local news stories too. Last week, I know we heard from Annalisa from Barcelona. James, today we're going to hear from Carolina from Barcelona. I'm going back to the well. But I think the thing is, pretty much, you know, a big chunk of the world is in lockdown now. So it's great to kind of have the conversation move on a little bit and just hear about some of the positive things that people are doing inside the house and within the community. And Carolina rises to that challenge more than adequately. Hi, I'm Carolina and I live in Barcelona. Today is the 16th day of the Spanish lockdown. So at the moment we can go out just if you want to go to the grocery shops or to go to the pharmacy. And I want to focus just on the positive things of this lockdown. I see that the community, at least in my neighborhood, it's really good. I see a lot of messages also in the elevator in my building or out of the doors that uh, the young people can go uh, to buy groceries or to go to the pharmacy for the old people so they don't have to go out. And also thanks to the technology for me, it's business as usual because we can work from home. Uh, so I don't really see any impact on my job. And also thanks to the technology, I can see my friends and my family every day. So um, yeah, thanks to it, I can see if they're good or not and I can spend time with them anyway. So. Personally, I also feel that this lockdown is uh, improving my cooking skill because I rediscovered that I can uh, cook homemade pasta, homemade pizza, and rediscover also my grandma tradition. So thinking of the positive uh, side of the of this lockdown, I could rediscover also how to read a book in the in my terrace just to take a bit of sun. It's hard because now it's sunny here in Barcelona and you really want to go out. But I know that together we can defeat this virus and go back to our old life and meet with friends and family as soon as possible. You know, James, I thought that 
sort of copying grandma's cooking recipes of old was only something that happened in films or in TV programs. But there it is. Carolina's, she's opened up the recipe book and she's finding some of her old grandmother's recipes. And I thought that was very sweet. Yeah, I really love the rediscovering of the cooking. Like, I think that's something that lots of people are being forced to get into. And, like, I'm one of them. And actually now at the stage where I'm enjoying it. And for the family special, we were mainly focusing on kids and parents' day. But lovely to hear about the link with the grandparents there. And especially today, Dave, because one of the pieces of news not directly related to the situation right now was that the world's oldest man, Bob Whiten, turned 112 today. He's from Hampshire in the UK and he became the holder of the record after the previous incumbent in Japan died last month. And he's celebrating his birthday today in self-isolation, not with family and friends as planned, And so he said it was a dead loss as far as a celebration is concerned, which I think we could all feel. A man of much experience, Bob says, the world is in a bit of a mess right now, which I think is one of the best summaries of the situation I've heard. British understatement. And so obviously not the celebration Bob wanted. I know we want to wish Bob a very happy 112th birthday and very many happy returns and a little bit of isolation inspiration from the world's oldest man i know that normally when they run these news articles they always ask people well what's your secret to living to this age as though they've like had some kind of chemistry formula for it but (laughs) what is bob wayton's secret to self-isolation well he said he's cleaning reading books and constructing model windmills to keep busy. So I I better get down to my windmill work. (laughs) And now it's time for coronavirus kindness, the warm-hearted end to the show. And as part of our family special today, had to be something which catered for the kids. And I found a story that particularly touched me on this topic about a postal worker. We've said that they're some of the unsung heroes right now, that anyone working in the delivery industry has instantly been elevated to Santa Claus levels. And I know that my deliveries scheduled for this week are a very key part of my week's rota. But this particular postal hero on South Tyneside is delivering his rounds in fancy dressed to lift the spirits of the community during the outbreak. This guy's called John Matson. He's from a place called West Bolden. And he's already done his delivery rounds dressed as a Greek soldier. And get this, how's this for attention to costume detail? Even using a trolley bag for his deliveries that he's added a horse's head to, (laughs) to complete the look. I mean, that's going to win best dressed at any fancy dress party. And then the other day too, 
he was delivering it in a little Bo Peep costume, which, to be honest, looks a little bit more Halloween-worthy. Yeah. But, uh, He's had notes from kids saying that that's been brightening their days along with the deliveries he's bringing. So a particularly deserving delivery worker of our thanks right now. Every day we end the London Coronavirus podcast with a quote, something to reflect on, something to hopefully take a little nugget from into the 24 hours to come and James I had some really good reactions from the Winnie the Pooh quote the other day I was surprised at how many people got in touch and said they were uh, yeah they, they, they really enjoyed that so I was tempted to go back to Eeyore and I will do so at some point but today the, one of the big stories in the British media as you will know and people listening to this podcast will know would was the suggestion that we are looking at potentially three more months of lockdown and maybe mm. six months before we get back to quote-unquote normal And so I was just thinking about patience, really. And I was looking at a few quotes about patience. And there's an American author who I don't know much about, I must confess, called Joyce Meyer. And her quote really hit home. If we are looking at these months ahead and we're looking at potentially three months of lockdown and six months before normality resumes, uh, this hit home for me and and hopefully will do maybe for one or two of you out there. This is on patience. Patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how we behave while we're waiting.